0: You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association of Oklahoma. I'm Morgan Allen, I use she, they pronouns, and I'm center director of the Dennis Arneel Equality Center, home of Oklahoma's for Equality. On today's episode, I talk with the Downloads host for the day, Whitney Sipola, about LGBTQ advocacy related to mental health. Let's get started. The Mental Health Download starts now.
1: Welcome everyone to the Mental Health Download. I'm Whitney Sapola, Mental Health Association, Oklahoma's advocacy specialist, and I'll be today's host. We are going to be chatting with Morgan Allen regarding LGBTQ advocacy. The focus of this season's podcast is cultivating healthy minds in ourselves, our personal circles, and our larger communities. One way to do this is by advocating for those who have been historically oppressed and marginalized. Let's talk with Morgan Allen to learn more about the impact of mental health advocacy on LGBTQ individuals in the state of Oklahoma. Morgan, thanks so much for joining us. Could Happy you, to be here. <laughs> could you tell us a little bit about the kind of advocacy work you're involved in and why that work is so important to you through the lens of being an LGBTQ
0: plus person? So my advocacy kind of started a long time ago. When I tell people that I work at OKQ, I tell them that I started volunteering at OKAQ when I was 13. And the reason that I started volunteering was because I had very, very quietly come out to just a couple of my friends in middle school and it didn't go well. I also had come out to a teacher at my school and that did not go like I thought it would. <laughs> it just, it, it, I was really spinning out basically. I had gone to into a really dark place. I had then seen my pediatrician at the time because I was a kid, I was just a kid. And I had been diagnosed with anxiety and depression and I just had nowhere to go. I felt like I had nowhere to go. I was very very lucky because my father had been working with OKQ and I did not come out to my dad, but I think he just kind of inferred that something was going on in that kind of vein and so he plugged me in with resources at OKQ and then I sought some other resources out on my own. And so my advocacy started there. It started with trying to figure out selfishly how to serve myself, right? Because when we are young, that's kind of, kind of where we start in our service. And then as I grew older, I went to college and then the advocacy became seeing inequity with others. And when I got to college, I had trans friends who didn't have a place to live on my college campus. The dorms were gendered and I had a friend named Annie who was working and she just said to me one day, she said, our college dorms are not gender friendly. They're not, they're not trans friendly and we've got to do something about it. And you're going to help me do something about it. And I was like me, she goes, yeah, well, you know, you're like one of the only other gay people here and we've just got to do it, you know, cause it needs to be done and who else is going to do it but us. And I think that's just kind of the mentality that I've had since then is just like, if not us, who, and even if it's not necessarily for me, we got to do it. We got to do it. And from there working with OKQ, it's just like, anytime I hear of an injustice, I'm just like, we got to do something. We got to do something for these people. So, (laughs) so I just kind of, operate from there. When some when I get a phone call, my first thing is, what can I do? What can I do right now? And the 2021 legislative session has just been released. And there are so many bills that are anti-LGBTQ+, and also are anti-immigration, anti-reproductive justice. And at OKQ, we take on all of those um, issues. We take on reproductive justice issues, immigration issues, racial justice issues on top of LGBTQ plus issues, because the thing is, is that because of intersecting identities, all of these issues become our issues. And that is how we should view it. And that is how we should operate. And so, whew, uh sorry, I get kind of passionate. And then I get kind of spinning myself off into another universe. But
1: no, that's okay. And like what you're saying
0: resonates.
1: Just for our <laughs> listeners, I also identify as LGBTQ, and I, what you're saying resonates, because from such a young age, we're told to be ashamed of who we are, mm-hmm. don't let other people know, we have to come out, which is just a burden. You never stop com- coming out, and never. so that's a burden you carry. So, I mean, our very existence is political. So how do we not (laughs) become advocates and activists? Our existence is already politicized.
0: Absolutely. And so you mentioning that is the reason I feel kind of, I feel kind of vulnerable young today is I just did an interview this morning with Fox 23 about a young girl, eight years old in Owasso who was kicked out of her school eight years old, please just remember this. She told another girl in her class that she had a crush on her and she was expelled from her school because it's a Christian school and they are legally allowed to do that. And she was told that it's not a Christian value to love someone of the same gender. And she went home and she asked her mother if God still loved her. And these are the types of issues that we're dealing with. And then, then we're given legislation on top of that, that is endorsing these prejudiced, these unconstitutional viewpoints that make our children feel unloved by God, by their community, by their state, by their nation, and make them feel without a home, spiritually and literally. It is definitely a, a call to service for me, you know? I don't know how one could hear that story and not feel called to do something about it. And the community we've seen has rallied around this little girl because the tale is so simple. Love is natural. Crushes are natural. And being told that you are sent out of the flock is what is not natural. And then legislating that hate is what is not natural.
1: Yeah, that, that's a powerful story. Thank you for sharing both yours and about this member of our community. This is happening in real time right now. Mm-hmm. I want to really focus in on what does legislating LGBTQ plus people do to the mental health of that community? What are some of the statistics, the facts, the stories you've heard of these two things intersecting when these two things meet?
0: So... We know that when pro-LGBTQ plus legislation is enacted, like say in the first few days of the Biden administration, LGBTQ lives are saved. There's promise, there is hope. When there is hope, there is less suicidal ideation. There is a sense of futurity. There's a sense of, I have have something to live for and to strive for. When there are laws... (laughs) that dictate what you can do with your body, what you can say, where you can go, where you can serve. We already know that LGBT persons are five times more likely to commit suicide than a cisgendered um, hetero person. And then you couple that with other intersectional identities, be that be they Black, Indigenous, Latinx, with each of those identities, the, the data is kind of staggered. It, you know, It's a little different for each each identity group, so I don't want to lump them all together. But when you add them on top, the, a, a Black trans woman, the data for suicide ideation is higher than that of a white cis hetero man. And it's important to know, and it's important to understand that when we look at the law and we look at how the law oppresses and the historical trauma behind LGBTQ plus people and their experiences, that that affects their mental health. Many LGBTQ plus people are born with trauma because of historical trauma. And then the legislation that's tacked on top of that, that's saying you don't belong here. You're not welcome here. That sends a very, very strong message. And what I really want to point out is that, especially laws right now that are targeting our youth, like our trans sports bills and, uh, and the trans youth getting medical service, basic medical services for gender dysphoria. These laws lead to increased suicidal ideation, increased depression, increased, increased loneliness and isolation in our trans youth population. And also that means our LGBTQ plus population of, of youth will also be impacted by that because they also don't feel welcome Because their siblings don't feel welcome. Their their trans and gender non-conforming siblings do not feel welcome. What we're saying as a state in Oklahoma is that LGBTQ people do not belong. And that is the exact opposite message we should be sending. They belong. They will be the people who save our state. And that they will be leaders of this country and of this state. And they will change the world. And they will make it a better place. And there is nothing wrong with them. Nothing, nothing, nothing.
1: I share that thought that youth, the youth in our community are what give me hope that things can be better and change for the positive.
0: What can people do to get involved? Well, the biggest thing you can do is contact your legislator don't contact the people who write the bills because the thing is these people who write these bills sadly they're not going to change their minds nathan dom is never going to change his mind he's going to keep writing bills that are harmful to trans youth because he just he cannot help himself i i, I truly believe it i truly think he can't go one night without dreaming about legislating transgender bodies i just i just don't think he can do it so what you have to do is email your legislator and say, our youth deserve a chance to live a life that is full. are you deserve a chance to have a life without y'all's interference. Leave them alone. Gosh, just do it. Just leave them alone. You know, voice voice your opinion. Raise your voice and say that it's wrong. It is wrong because we know it's wrong. And ultimately, many of these bills, bu- Not many. All of these bills that are being introduced are unconstitutional. And if any of these bills are passed, they can be taken to court and be dismissed as unconstitutional. And ultimately, it will cost the state of Oklahoma more money to put these bills in place and then get them undone because they're unconstitutional than it will be if we don't get them passed in the first place. So there is hope. There is hope. The other thing we've got to do, get these folks out of office. We need more people like Maury Turner, who steps up to the plate and says, you know, it might be hard for me as a non-binary Muslim person to get elected, but if I don't go out there and try, who else? Who else is going to beat this person in my district? I'm glad you bring up representation.
1: It brings me back to my first year teaching when I went to the state capitol to advocate for my colleagues and my students. and. I am a white cis woman. I carry a lot of privilege. And even being there, I felt like I didn't belong. Like I didn't see people who were like me, whether that be women, queer individuals, people with a social equity lens. And I knew Senator Alison Eichley Freeman was a lesbian. And I said, if, I'm, if I don't talk to anybody else, I'm going to go talk to Senator Eichley Freeman. And mm-hmm. I did. And that's where my advocacy really started at the state level is her being there made me feel like I could be there. And that has been everything. What what advice do you have to people who feel like they don't have, they they don't deserve to take up the space and interact with these elected officials? Because, you know, sometimes people might be going by they them pronouns and they don't want to go through being misgendered or they don't want to have to. You, you know, hide the fact that they have a same-sex spouse. How can we advocate and still overcome these barriers that might be present for us as queer
0: people? Absolutely. Number one, when you go to the Capitol, you deserve respect. And I can tell you, as a very, <laughs> I'm very small. <laughs> I'm, I'm bi- five, five four. I'm five four. And I. I don't consider myself a, you know, I when I talk with Toby and when I would talk with Jose before he moved to California, I would say, I don't feel memorable, if that makes sense. I don't feel like when people meet me that they will remember who I was, right? I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm some, you know, I'm no Toby, right? He is like larger than life, a huge personality, bald head. And, and I just, you, when you meet him, it's like meeting a celebrity and you're never going to forget it. Right. When you meet and me, and I, the executive director of the yes, quality is our executive director. Yes. Yeah. And when you meet me, I'm very small. I'm, I am, I am an introvert. I have anxiety, I have anxiety and uh, I have trouble. I, I have trouble speaking. Um, with people for a first time, so when I go to the Capitol, it can be very hard for me to to self advocate, right? But I tell myself I'm here because this is my house. I paid for this building. I pay for it every year, and I care about what's happening in here. And they need to know that I care, and I don't. And I, I need them to hear it from from my. From my from my small little voice, <laughs> I need them to know. And I know that with COVID, it is hard to do those types of things. And it, and sometimes when you like type up your email and you say, "Listen to me," and and, and then you then you send it, and you're like, they're never going to read that. The point is that many small voices can make the big change. When we all come together, there's no stopping us. Truly. And I feel like the fire inside us all cannot be put out. There are other ways to raise your voice that don't involve, you know, going to the Capitol and being like, excuse me, Governor Stitt, (laughs) because he doesn't ever answer the door. (laughs) But you can go to a town hall. You can go to a town hall. We have, we're planning on doing LGBTQ bill town halls virtually this, this, this year on Facebook live. And so you can participate in those. And then we'll do, we'll do a few that are privately on zoom for constituents to voice their concern. And then we'll help with the letter writing and getting those sent off those emails sent off. So, you know, you'll know exactly what to say, what bills to reference, and you won't be so, so lost. The other thing that, you know, I would encourage is you know, get together with a friend. See what see what somebody else. If you want to do do it together, and then also and maybe just ad, advocating locally at your city level. The thing is that Tulsa Tulsa itself um, scores quite highly in the Human Rights Campaign Equality Index. We we got a seventy six this year, which is higher than we've gotten in previous years. Norman actually has a 92 out of 100 on the Equality Index because they've actually got an LGBT liaison at the mayoral office. And and they've got a few other things that Tulsa lacks. And we have a very supportive city council who likes to listen to issues. Reach out to the city council. What can our city be doing? What can you be doing locally? Broken Arrow has a 20 on the Equality Index. What should Broken Arrow be doing? We have some cities who have a zero in the Equality Index no protections, no, no help with with their, with their police department, zero equality indicators. So there's lots of things that you can also be doing locally within your own community that don't involve you going to the Capitol or or anything like that. Your, your own circle, start in your circle and, and you'll be surprised at how quickly your small circle will expand outward outward and outward and outward and outward and outward. And suddenly, you know, you may be talking to Joe Biden. I don't know. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, every time you, you reach out to someone, you're creating a ripple and that ripple will just keep going outward.
1: And I I think too, with what you're saying, these are LGBTQ plus issues, but they absolutely affect everybody. Cause I guarantee whether someone knows it or not, someone in their life is LGBTQ. So we Mm -hmm. need our, allies to get involved. We can't afford for them to stand on the sidelines. They need to join us in this fight.
0: And, you know, not only that, but the thing is, is like these LGBTQ plus protections and things, this is what brings business to our state. There are companies who don't come to Oklahoma to do business. You know, we lost, we lost Amazon and uh, Tesla and, I know there's lots of uh, complicated labor things to talk about with that. But the other thing, is, one of the things that we lost them for is because we don't have LGBTQ plus high enough workplace equality protections. And that's what those those types of companies are looking for in the state. It is important. It is a, it is a business. It is an economic issue. It is a civil rights issue. It is a human issue. I, I you know, sometimes, you know... We have to think of different ways to talk to people about our cause. I know that it's hard and we feel like everyone should just be like, people are human and that, that, that's it, right? Like, that's it. For me, I'm like, that's it. It's, we got to take care of each other. For me, that's, that's the winning point. But for some people, that's, that's not the winning point.
1: Even if these policies were to pass through and get signed off by the governor, which by the way, I don't think they will, but it's something we want to monitor and absolutely speak out on. Mm -hmm. Seeing community members and family members and friends advocate on your behalf also a lot and also helps you feel comfortable in your space, which then leads to better mental health outcomes. And since mental health has kind of been the through line of our conversation today, Second to last question, I want to ask you, what do you personally do to prevent burnout and keep yourself safe and sane when you are constantly feeling like you have to be fighting?
0: Yeah, it, that is a great question because the burnout is real and also getting, getting burned. You know, I feel like I get burned a lot at work like accidentally stepping in something. And then I end up over, overworking myself, if that makes sense. So I love to run. I started running right when I got out of college as a way to work on anxiety and breathing. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? It was something my doctor recommended and I, I got really into it. So into it that I ran a, half marathon. And then I was like, okay, let's keep going. And then I ran a marathon and now I run, I run all the time with COVID. It's been very hard to run and race. Like I like to, but still I run a lot. The other thing I love to do is I like to do yoga a lot. That's another, again, for me, it's all about regulating my breathing for myself. I, I, that is something I really That's one of my one of my struggles is the breathing and stuff. So and regulating my burnout. Then the other thing is logging off. I have to log off of Facebook. Don't read the comments. (laughs) I'm so bad about reading the comments.
1: Sometimes Uh, we can't help
0: ourselves though. But that will that will turn the burnout into something real. Cause you'll just be like, I'm never going to win. We're never going to win. And it's like, oh no, 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 it's, it's okay. It's okay. You know, and then loving, loving on my animals, taking time to taking time. I think the other thing that is, that is really important that we need to know, especially in nonprofit, I think it's really easy to say that, oh, I'm just going to do one more thing. I'm just going to do one more thing for work. Even when I get home, I'm just going to go do one more thing for work. I'll just do one more thing this weekend. I really try to not do that. I really try to not go over hours if I, if I don't have to. And I really honor my family's time. I take honoring time as a, a huge, huge importance in my life. And I tell that to my my fiance. She knows that. That's a big thing for me is, is just honor the time. Like I know I want to, I am going to give this time to you. And that means I'm going to put my phone away. I'm going to not work on work and it is your time. And I I don't care if somebody calls me about work, this is my time. That's got to be that, that, that is really the key to burnout. We don't, I love, I love the work. I'm so passionate about this cause, but in order for me to give the best to this cause and in order for me to continue to serve, and love serving, as I feel called to do, to serve others. I have to refresh and recharge. (laughs) Honor the time.
1: Absolutely. Those boundaries are so important. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, speaking of honoring time, I want to honor yours. And thank you so much for being here with us. Really, it was a thoroughly enjoyable conversation. And I just... I want to let you close out. I want you to leave whatever call to action or final thoughts that you want our listeners to hear. And thank you so much again for coming on the
0: podcast. I just want our listeners to know you were born perfect. There's nothing wrong with you. You are doing what you need to do. You are where you need to be. If you need help, you can ask for it. There is nothing wrong with you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Please do not let anyone, any group, anything tell you differently.